Open your Bibles now to Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs chapter 26. In our study of Proverbs, 26 and a half chapters so far, we have seen uh, reoccurring throughout the study the value that God places on work. Now, again, we see many things and many truths, and they seem to be repeated throughout the study, but we have seen the value that God places on work. We have seen that in God's system for 26 and a half chapters that results follows work, that success follows work, that financial reward follows work. That is God's system, that financial security follows work, that self-worth and dignity are built in work, that sin is avoided in work. Very simply and very plainly, uh, we see God built people to work and God blesses hard work. Something we need to say, something we need to know, something we need to be sure of. God built people to work and God blesses hard work. Now think about that. Here's this big truth. And just like all the things we're looking at on Sunday morning, just like all of these things, notice how the world has perverted that today. Notice how the world has twisted that today. The world now says you do not have to work. The world now says your goal is not to work. Somebody, uh, maybe it's the government, maybe it's somebody else, they're going to provide for you if you choose not to work. And the world has turned that upside down and has twisted that truth of God. Now think about that. As with all of the lies of the world, it is wrecking havoc on our world. You take the truth, you turn it upside down, you walk away from God's truth, and there's going to be implications. There's going to be trouble. Think about that this this afternoon, this evening. Today, the day we're living in, people do not know how to work. In fact, some folks, they just flat will not work. They're not going to work. You can't find workers today. There's entire businesses, entire industries that are hamstrung because of the inability to find workers. Well, tonight in our study, we're going to start off with a brief description of the sluggard. That's where we've moved to in our study. We just looked at the full uh, for 12 verses, 12 verses on the full, well, now we're going to turn our attention tonight to the sluggard. Now, here's some of you say, oh, good. All right, tonight we're going to look at the sluggard. Now, in Hebrew, in the original language, the word sluggard, it means sluggish. It means slow moving. Another translation means lazy one. Another translation means Slothful. Well, the writer here, giving us God's wisdom, uses this picture, the sluggard, a, a, a slug that is just oozing around, a sloth that is just wallowing around. Now, that is compared in God's wisdom to the productive ant. There's the ant, and he is busy, and he is organized, and he is productive. And then there is this slothful sluggard. Well, that is, our, that is our word tonight that, that we're going to see here in our study. In our verses tonight, God is going to give us a description 
of the sluggard. Now that's the word he has chosen to use to describe this person. And now he's going to take the next four verses and give us a description of this sluggard. Now we left off last time in verse 12. Uh, we're going to start back tonight in verse 13. Proverbs chapter 26 beginning tonight in verse 13. It says this. The sluggard says there's a lion in the road. A lion is in the open square. The sluggard says there is a lion in the road. A lion is in the open square. Now that is a strange verse. That is a weird verse. Here, here is the moral to the verse. A sluggard, here's what the verse is telling us. A sluggard finds reasons not to work. That's what it's telling us. Now, I'll explain it. A sluggard, they find reasons not to work. They are adept at finding reasons not to work. It is too early to work. It has now become too late to work. It is too hot today to work. It is too cold to work. I'm not ready to work. There's not time to work. This is not an ideal day in which to work. They find reasons, this slothful sluggard of a person they find reasons not to work. Now, it's actually bigger than that. Uh, the example makes a point through exaggeration. Uh, the sluggard, they go to extremes to try to avoid work. Now, that's what the picture is actually telling us here. They actually work hard at not working, at finding reasons not to work. Now, this, this person says, there is a line in the road. Now, we do not know if there's actually a line in the road. There may be a line in the road. There may not be a line in the road. It may be crossing the road. It may be gone from the road by the time this guy were to get to the road. It may be a tame line that's in the road. But they yell out, there is a line in the road. There is a line in the open square. And what they're saying is this, I can't risk it. I'm too important. I can't risk it. That line may eat me. I may go down there and I may run into this line and it may be a terrible end for me. What if I'm eaten? What if? What if? Absurd reasons. Well, it might rain and wash away my work. Well, I might break my hammer. Well, I, I could roof this and it could get windy and blow it all apart. The bottom line is the sluggard is angling not to work. They're looking with their eye, finding a way not to work. Now, here's the opposite of that. The opposite of that is a wise person will look to work efficiently. They will look to work efficiently. A wise person, they will be glad for opportunities to work. You know what? It's early. That's a good time to work. You know what? It's late. That's a good time to work. They will be glad for opportunities to work. They will not be looking for excuses not to work. They will actually, the opposite of this, they will be looking for reasons to work. All right, going on. Let me read verse 13 again. The sluggard says, there's a line in the road. A line is in the open square. All right, verse 14. Verse 14 is just kind of a gross verse. I'll just tell you up front. As the door turns on its hinges... So does the sluggard on his bed. I, I picture that, that big old sluggard looking guy in, in the Star Wars movies. 
As the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. Now, see the picture here. Here is a door, and it's open this way, and it swings back, and it's open this way, and it swings back, and it opens this way, and, and, and it just flops here and there. Well, the picture is so does the sluggard on his bed. He's on his bed, and he turns over this way for a while, and then he turns over this way for a while, and he kicks his leg out from the covers for a while, and he turns over this way for a while. That is the sluggard on his bed. Well, I want you to see this. God, our God, in his word, the Bible, is actually taking time to talk about not getting up, not getting ready, not going to do a productive thing, but staying wallowing in bed. Now that's a, pretty, that's a pretty crazy thing to me. Our God actually talks about the person that doesn't get up, doesn't get dressed, doesn't get out of bed, doesn't go to do a productive thing. I was thinking about this, and I, I don't know, I was just, this came to mind, I was thinking about this. Do you know, I can't remember, and I thought about it, and I, I cannot remember either one of my granddads or my dad ever laying on a couch or laying in a bed with pillows or a blanket when it wasn't the middle of the night. I can't ever picture Truman Castleberry laying on his couch I never came in at 2 and he was in his bed. I never, I never came over at 9.30 in the morning and he's in his bed. I never saw Bill Williams the same. I never saw my dad. I never saw him in bed or on a couch when it wasn't the middle of the night when they should have been in bed. The Bible actually says a sluggard stays in bed. The opposite of that is this. Yes, sleep. Yes, rest. But then get up. Get going, leave your bed, and go do something productive. That's actually what the Bible says. Get out of bed, get your clothes on, go do something productive. As the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. Verse 15, this guy gets grosser all the time. The sluggard buries his head in the dish he is weary of bringing it to his mouth again. Uh, verse 15 again makes a point by exaggeration. Uh, the picture is this sluggard, this lazy, slothful person. Uh, they are too tired. Uh, it, they are too lazy even to eat. You know what? It's too much effort to raise this fork up. It, it's, too, it's too much effort to raise this cup up. And so this slothful person, it's an exaggeration, They've just decided to plop their face in the bowl. Maybe, maybe you had an 18-month-old, and sometimes you'd have something, and they'd plop their face in the bowl. This, this lazy person, it's too much work to feed myself, and so they just plop their face down in the bowl. Here's the picture. The picture is this slothful person, this lazy person, they're not going to do anything. And, and it's an exaggeration, but it's making the point. They're just going to let it all go. It's too much effort. Just not going to do anything. You know what? They're, gonna, they're not going to keep the house clean. They're not going to mow the yard. They're not going to take care of their stuff. They're not going to wash their cars. They're not going to keep gas in the car. 
They're not going to make sure they have clean clothes to put on and wear. And they're not even going to cook. They're just going to put their face in the bowl. They hope somebody comes by and fills the bowl back up. They're not going to do anything. They're just going to sit there and not do a thing. The sluggard buries his head in a dish. He is weary, so tired of bringing it to his mouth again. Verse 16. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes. This is an interesting verse. The slugger is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can give a discreet answer. Now, I had to go look this up in the original language to, to, to see what it's saying. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can give a discreet answer. Verse 16, the sluggard, this person, too lazy to do anything, rolling around in their bed, this sluggard, they think wisdom is finding ways not to work. And that's, the, that's what the verse is telling us here. They think wisdom, oh, it's smart. I found ways to stay home and just stay in bed all day. I found ways to hide and nobody know what I'm doing. They think wisdom is finding ways not to work. That's better than the wisdom of seven people that have a right answer. This is true wisdom. The Hebrew word is the word for sensible, sensible. Now think about that, sensible. They think it is more sensible to stay away from work. You know what, you work, you're going to get tired. You know what, you, you work, you're going to burn up energy. You know what, you, you work, it's going to require an effort from you. And so a sensible thing is to not do those things. And they think it is more sensible to stay away from work. And their pride and their joy is that they found ways to beat the system. You know what? I get checks in the mail. You know what? If I don't work long enough, they bring me stuff, put it in my mailbox. You know what? I, I turn around, and I'm, I'm not talking about folks that, that are against hard times, but you know what? I can go four blocks in every direction, and there's a box of food. I can open it up, and I can get crackers and this and that, two cans of this, and if I go to the right place, I can get some steaks to go with it. And they think their wisdom is they found a way that, I, hey, I never have to work. Here's what the verse is saying. Instead of being embarrassed, you ought to be embarrassed if you're lazy. That's what the Bible's saying. Instead of being ashamed, instead of being sheepish, I hadn't been to work in a week. And my family's hungry and I don't have the things I need. Instead of being sheepish, they are actually proud of having found a way to not work. Now, here's the crazy part of this whole section of verses. There's the four verses. That's the sluggard. That's the sluggard. So here's the question. Why does God care? Why does God care? Why does he spend all this time to tell us this? This is repetitive throughout the 26 and a half chapters we've looked at in Proverbs so far. Why does he care? Who cares? Work. Who cares? Don't work. Who cares? Just get saved and go to heaven. Isn't that the point? Who cares? Why does it matter? Why does God care? Why does God care about people working? Here's the thing. Remember this morning, God creates all things. Now, we keep going back to that. Everything comes out of that. God creates all things. Part of that, in his creation, he creates people. 
Now, what that means is he created us, and so our purpose is found in him. What he created us for, it's found in him. Our purpose, we're not going to find it somewhere else. It's going to be found in him. God creates all things. Part of that, God creates people, and so our purpose is found in him. Now, we saw this morning, he is actually truly good. He is wise. He is, in fact, infinite in wisdom. He's not missing any wisdom. He is infinite in his wisdom. He knows what is best for us because he created us. And in his good, infinite wisdom, he created people to work. Do you know that? He created people to work. Before sin, I went back and I looked at the creation account this afternoon. Before there was ever sin, people had jobs. You know what? They were to tend to the garden. They were to oversee creation. They were to have dominion over all of the animals. That was God's system. That's how he's created us. It is best for the world for people to work. It is best for us for people to work. It is how he built us in his system. Now listen, I'm not telling you anything shocking, but when you work, it produces self-worth. And we've got folks that have no self-worth. You know why? It's because we've become a generation that will not work. When you work, it produces self-worth. When you work, it produces self-confidence. We got folks that mope around and this and that, and they they have no confidence. Listen, when you're working, it produces self-confidence. When you work, here's a weird thing, and it's true. I will promise you this. This is true. When you work, there is a joy in accomplishment. Do you know that? I don't know that I've ever seen anybody make a cake and put it in a drawer. They make a cake and say, hey, I made a cake. There it is. I made a cake. I never seen anybody go out and, and, and do, sweep off the porch and get this and get the flowers all set. You know what? I hope no one ever sees that. I hope no one ever comes to my porch. There is joy in accomplishment. I went back and I read the creation account this afternoon. And I want you to think about this. I want you to remember this. Notice it next time you read it. When you read the creation account, God creates. And then after God creates, and it happens over and over again, God surveys what he has created. And it actually says this, and God saw that it was good. He he created He surveyed what had happened, what he had done, and he saw that it was good. There is joy in accomplishment. You run a race, you're glad you finished. You take a task on, you finish that task. There is joy in accomplishment. We are better, we are healthier, and God is honored in our diligent work. We are built to produce, and that is good. We are built to produce and that is good. I was thinking about all that. Practically, what does that mean? How do we do that? Okay, efficient work pleases God. A worker pleases God. Well, what does that mean? Practically, what are we to do with that? Here's what I have noticed, and I'm talking about myself. Our natural inclination is to do less. You ever notice that? If, if we can, our natural inclination is always to do less. You know what? If, if it doesn't really matter and nobody's going to see it, and I can put it off till tomorrow, 
our natural inclination is to say, you know what? It's already 4 o'clock. If I go move over to this other place, I'm going to have to start here, and I won't get done on this time and whatever. And our natural inclination is to do less. Now, let me tell you something about that. And that will grow if we feed it, which means this. If you do less today, you know what? It's easier to do less tomorrow. And if you've done less in the spring, it's easier to do less in the summer. That will grow if we will feed it. What are we supposed to do about that? What are we supposed to do about that? You know, I can tell you, make a schedule, set an alarm, get up, go to work. I can tell you all that. But it really comes down to one thing. What are we to do about that? It really comes down to one thing. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 says this. Listen, listen to these words. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. We need a different perspective. We need a different heart. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord whom you serve. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Here in Colossians chapter 3, we find the standard. We work not for men. We work not for self. We work as though we're working for the Lord. That is the standard. What is the standard? Why would, I, why would I try to get up early? Why would I try to be effective and efficient? Why would I press on? It's because the standard is I am working as though I am serving the Lord. Now, here's something else that says in whatever you do, whatever you do, listen, it may be a small thing. You ought to do it as though you're doing it for the Lord. It may be a big thing. It may be a long-term task. You ought to do it as though you're doing it for the Lord. It's a heart response. My favorite word is the word heartily. What does that mean, heartily? In the original language, it means this. From the soul, with life. Another translation. With life. Not just dragging around. With life. And the most literal translation means in suspense, which, which means in a strain, in an effort. Push into it. Go to it. Be alive from the soul. Whatever you do, do it heartily. Verse 24 says, God will reward. God will bless. People today, we say, well, I wish God would bless me. I wish God would bless my house. I wish God would bless my business. I wish God would bless my career, and I think we go around thinking, well, there's some magic formula, there's some prayer. Well, did you know, here's what we found in verse 24. God will bless it when you work. And so if you'll work, you'll work. God sees that. It says that. The Lord God of creation sees that, and he will bless it. I'm going to end right there tonight. Our verses take up another direction here in a second. The next person is the meddler, and so we'll go there next week. The meddler. We don't know any folks like that. But I'm going to end it right here tonight.
As I get older, today you may know it's my birthday. I'm 102 today. <laughs> as I get older, as my kids get older, and as I watch life, it's a weird thing that happens. And I don't know what age it happens, but somewhere uh, between somewhere in my 40s and between 52, a weird thing starts to happen. I start to think about what I want my kids to get from me. And I, I, don't, I don't know what day that is, and I don't know what turns. Maybe it's seeing that we're closer that way than we are back to the start. But I start to think about what I want my kids to get from me. And I think about my, my own dad. I, I think about them and their relationship with me. Uh, things that I want my kids to be able to say. Someday they're going to be sitting around and maybe they'll be 50 or 60 and I'll, I'll be long gone. And they're sitting there and they'll say, oh, my dad. Oh, my dad. Let me tell you about my dad. And I start thinking about what do I want my kids to know about their dad. I could make a list. I could probably put 10 things on and I put about three tonight. First thing is this. I want my kids to know that their dad loved Jesus. And I want them to know he wildly loved Jesus. In fact, he was a nut about that. And there was a day when he figured out nothing else would matter but knowing and loving and walking with Jesus. And I want my kids to say, oh, my dad, he was, he was a nut for Jesus Christ. I want them to say that. I want my kids to know, and I've said this several occasions, I want my kids to know without a shadow of a doubt to go to God's Word. And I, I want them to know to go to God's Word. You don't have to go to a, a church or a denomination. You don't have to go seek out a counselor somewhere. I want my kids to know, go to God's Word. Well, here's some trouble. Go to God's Word. Well, I don't know what to do here. I can't find my dad. Go to God's Word for everything. Trust God's Word. Listen to God's Word. Practice God's Word. I want my kids to know that. My dad always said, go to God's word. You know what? You can trust God's word. Build everything on the foundation of God's word. I want my kids to know that. And then I'll tell you the third thing is I want my kids to be workers, not pretenders. There's people that hide. They're pretty good at hiding. Not posers, not moochers, not somebody that acts like somebody owes them something. I, I want my kids to be workers, and I want them to be diligent, hardy, faithful, God-honoring workers. And I, as I was putting this together this afternoon, I, I thought, you know, I want my kids to say, you know what, I learned that in Proverbs. I learned that in Proverbs. I trust God's word, but I want them to be able to say, someday as old people, but boy, did I see it in my dad. Boy, did I see it. In my dad. God blesses hard work. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for your grace in teaching us. We're thankful for your goodness in leading us. Lord, we come to this subject and we know it. I pray, Lord, that we've been encouraged tonight, not beaten down, that we've been inspired tonight. And I, I pray, Lord, that we're diligent in our work. And whatever it is, if it's in the flower bed, if it's making a cake, if it's in a career that we're starting off and building, 
I pray that we be found diligent workers, working as though we work for the Lord as a testimony to the Lord that we do work for. Lord, we, we're thankful again for your truth. I pray that it has shaped us tonight. I pray that it points glory back to you, that it's pleasing to you. Lord, I, I pray for kids as I think about kids today. Just This is just one piece, Lord. So many things they're going to need. So many things, so many truths they're going to have to hold. I pray, Lord, that they're able to find it in your word. I pray for parents that would venture out to teach it to them, to, to raise them in the nurture, the admonition of the Lord, the truth of your word. Lord, I pray for homes tonight, for parents tonight, for grandparents tonight. I pray for a church tonight that we will be consumed with your word, faithful to your word, faithful to the Savior of that word teaching and preaching and standing on that truth. And then we just tell you, Lord, we are thankful that your word is faithful. Your word is true. Your word is trustworthy. And we can walk out of here tonight and we can know you will bless hard work. Help us to take that to heart. Lord, we praise you tonight. We thank you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.